Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. Welcome to the next of our In Conversation series. Today, we're going to be talking about financing fertility. And I've got the wonderful Kaylee Hartigan here with me. I'm just going to get her to join in. It's always a little bit slow, but here we go. Hello. Hi, Kaylee. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. I'm just going to give a little bit of background on the amazing work that Kaylee does. Um, so this is Kaylee Hartigan. She's the founder of the people-powered health platform Fertility Mapper. It's set to revolutionise the sector. Fertility Mapper connects its pool of users to each other in a bid to make fertility health more transparent. And she aims to change people's experience from cold and transactional to supportive and human-led. And as I mentioned before, what we're discussing specifically today is the financing element of fertility, which is a significant cost if you're not eligible for NHS funding in the UK. And there's a big um, area, again, that we're going to be covering on the cost transparency. So, Kaylee, I don't know if you want to give a little bit of your background and, and what your motivation was to set up Fertility Mapper. Yeah, I'm very happy to. So um, I've, I guess I want to describe myself as a bit of a healthcare geek. Um, I've worked in healthcare for 16 years and in different roles in the NHS and the WHO, but also I spent quite a bit of time working in private equity advisory, working on healthcare transactions. Um, and as part of that, I saw a lot of kind of activity in the fertility uh, space with kind of private equity investors investing in clinics and we were kind of advising on that. And what I realized at that time was I had a lot of information in my head on how uh, fertility was financed, um, kind of what you should look for in a clinic, um, what makes a clinic kind of good or bad in, in a particular respect. And so um, at that kind of same time, a lot of my friends started to go through um, IVF and it became one of those things where Sort of every weekend there'd be a dinner party someone would mention it or over coffee uh, and i realized i had information that would be helpful um and so that's really kind of the genesis and, and why i came to set up the business yeah and i think that's so important as well is that a lot of these discussions which are sort of taboo or a little bit awkward or you don't really know where to go to happen over the dinner table as well and I think having your 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 friends around you it, all experiencing the same thing is a real driver for you to go off and, and create something that's going to help them because you've got that first-hand experience and you know what the issues are and especially from your finance background as well seeing the way that the structures are created and wanting to make it better is huge um, so let's go back to the NHS funding and, and what can make a person eligible or ineligible for fertility treatment on the NHS? Yeah, so it's, um, it's really tough. So NICE, um, which is the kind of national uh, regulator that sets um, kind of guidelines on what should be funded within healthcare within the UK, sets out that there should be three rounds of IVF provided on the NHS. But the actual decision making about what is and is not funded is made at a local level. So 
whichever area you live in, the services that are provided to you by the NHS in that area are decided by a group that sits in your, in your local area. Um, and so in many cases over time, and the NHS has stopped funding um, as many cycles as it, as it used to. Um, so really the kind of decision about whether or not you have access to treatment or not is really made by the NHS commissioners at a local level. So if you happen to live in an area where they've decided not to finance fertility treatment, it means that, that you really will struggle to get access. And that, that's driving a lot of people to turn to kind of privately funding their services. Interesting. And, and do you know any insight into what their decision making is based on at all when they're, you know, turning people away or allowing them to go with that treatment, you know, with this postcode lottery almost? Yeah, so um, it really depends. Uh, ultimately, those decision makers in the local level are making decisions about what to finance across everything. Um, and in many mm. cases, it's decided that within quite difficult budgets um, where they have to finance many, many different things uh, for their local population, that fertility is perhaps uh, more of a discretionary service um, that compared to some of the other things they have to finance. So in the end, it really just comes down to budgets and trade-offs on decision-making about what they do and they do not finance or what they can yeah. and cannot finance depending on their, on their budget. That's really interesting. And I think going back to the IVF um, treatment as well, do you have any of the statistics on there about, you know, how many people are having to pay and fund this for themselves that, you know, aren't able to access the NHS services? Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's around 69,000 rounds of IVF a year. Um, that's kind of 2019 data. Obviously, there's been um, some strange times over the last two years, which has, has caused kind of a drop in fertility. And we're actually seeing a massive increase now in people seeking services as we come off the back of the pandemic. Um, but of those uh, 69,000, 75% um, are self-financed. So it's a majority private market now in the UK. Wow. And, and how many, do you know roughly how many rounds it, it, it takes on average and actually to conceive? And Yeah, so at a population level, it's, a, it's an unhelpful number. It's 2.5. Um, obviously, you don't have 2.5 rounds of IVF as a person, but most people will need at least two rounds of IVF um, or will go through at least two rounds of IVF. How much is around? Uh, well, this is this is the is a great mm. uh, uh, great question. So, um, it really depends on two things. So, one, you as a person, and two, the clinic that you decide to go to. Um, so, on average, you'll spend let's say five thousand pounds on a cycle on a on the IVF treatment itself. However, before you get to the IVF treatment, there's a whole series of kind of consultations and tests that you might do which can add up to six, 700 pounds, again, depending on the clinic and the types of tests you might need. Then in addition, you have to pay for medication. So whilst the IVF course or treatment includes, say, your doctor's time and the use of the consultation room, um, it doesn't include the medication. And the medication can be, again, ranging from person to person, um, but on average around a thousand pounds ago. And then once you've been through the IVF treatment, there's, there's quite a lot of other things that need to happen. So kind of potential follow-on consultations. Um, and also, if you're successful and produce a number of um, healthy embryos, you may decide to freeze those for future use. So um, there's the cost of freezing and then um, obviously the cost of storing those eggs or, or um, embryos, which is around £350 a year. Um, so, so the answer is not an easy one, um, but I think that's kind of three core phases. So the investigation phase, 
the treatment phase and then after treatment what you what you need to kind of consider in terms of ongoing costs yeah and i think that that's something as well if anybody's embarking on this journey it's there's no certainties um in terms of you know the success rate and also through your finances as, as you're showing it's sort of a it really opens up and it's being committed to that um process um but also being aware because as we we've touched on the prices can vary across the uk um to get this treatment do you know why or how or, or have you got any sort of information on, on on where that spectrum is yeah it, so it typically varies um across the uk but also um from a from clinic to clinic so most clinics will price a kind of core package of services and the key the key bit that causes the variation is outside of that core package so within the core package of services so the ivf package or the egg freezing package that ivf package can range from anywhere from kind of 3,500 up to 6,000 just for that IVF package. And then outside of that, all of the individual units of activity, so every scan you do, every medication you take, also has a cost associated with it. And that really drives quite a big variation. If you're at a clinic that likes to do lots of additional scans, then you pay for every single scan. And so every ultrasound might cost you around 250 pounds. So if you have an ultrasound every day, um, you're spending quite a lot more money. Um, and so the variation is sort of sits in the initial base pricing of the clinic, but also the, the approach to your treatment, so how many scans or blood tests they decide to do. Um, but then also um, in terms of your underlying biology, so how you might respond to your fertility med medication that's very different to how I might respond to it. And therefore, how much medication we need between you and I will be very different and therefore the costs are also very different. And I guess as well, as soon as you go into a clinic like this, it, it's something that you don't know yourself. You're trusting these specialists to provide you with the best service possible, but it's, you don't know what's essential and what's an add-on. Yeah, so I think there's, this, there's a really interesting thing when you come to fertility treatment, be that egg freezing or IVF, where um, if you're kind of living in the UK, you're used to accessing the NHS. You never think about costs. So you don't think how much it costs when you go to your GP because you, you don't have to. It's free at the point of need. And your needs are kind of, ideally, <laughs> um, met. Um, and yeah. so when you go into kind of uh, fertility treatment, you suddenly move from being a patient to a consumer. But because mm. it's healthcare, because it's so invasive and so personal, people often just sort of, you know, approach it thinking about it from the healthcare lens and the, and the outcome they're hoping to get, which is a child. But they're not thinking right on day one necessarily about the costs and how, and how they're structured. So there's a sort of transition as people that we need to make when we decide to access services that we have to realize that we're also consumers and it's really important to protect our financial health and well-being as well as also thinking about all of the emotional and physical elements that come with fertility treatment yeah. so it's a really and it's knowing what your cap is your affordability cap i suppose when you go into it and say you know we will try it up until this limit and, and that's the limit because you've got all of these underlying emotions as well. What tends to happen is people then want to throw more money at an issue to try and fix it. And, and that's possibly what some of these clinics are um, aware of. 
so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I, I think I guess I guess you're sort of touching on this point around. Um, so I, there are a few parts. So one, we really say to people before you contact a clinic to sit down and work out, sit down and understand all of the key bits that make up the costs of the service. So when you go in, you you kind of know what you're getting into from from day one. And the clinic, if they're a good clinic, and we talk a lot about the difference between cost, like actual cost and cost transparency. So because between you and I, the cost will be different because of our biology and where we live and so on. Um, the important thing in your relationship with the clinic is that they're transparent about the costs so you know and understand what's happening. So you need to first figure out what the costs are um, in terms of the key things you need to, to know. And then if you're working with a good clinic, they'll sit you down and take you through what's happening with the costs. Once you have all that information, once you start the emotional roller coaster, it is then really important once you are kind of going through that process and, and incredibly also difficult to do so, but to maybe put in some checkpoints to take stock on kind of we've been through one round, how much did we spend? So kind of trying to track what you spent through that process. So then if you look at going through maybe another round, you, you're, you're aware of where you are at that point, how much you've spent to that point, and therefore what, what the kind of financial consequences are of that next round so that's kind of one point and then the other point is when you're kind of in the process there are a number of treatments which are called add-ons which um, the HFEA which is the regulator of the sector has a rating on so they have a rag rating from green to red in terms of the, the impact of those add-ons on your outcomes so some of these add-ons have very limited evidence as to whether or not they will improve your chances. Um, and so it's really important to understand what the kind of things are that you're being given or sold um, and realize the likely impact of those on your outcomes. Because sort of when you get into it, if people are suggesting something that might improve your chances, but they only improve your chances by 5% or 10%, you kind of have to step back and decide whether or not- It's working out the cost benefit of, of, of exactly. these add-ons as well. Um, yeah. And okay, one thing that I just thought is, if, so if you have done your treatment with one place, are you then able to do a second round elsewhere? Or do you think it's best to stay with the same person? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, and so, so this is one of the things actually I want to work on. We, we haven't done it yet. Um, but it's one of the key things I'd really like to do, which is give people their data back so they can own their data and mm. take it between clinics. And what I mean by that is, when you start on your fertility treatment, you don't know how we're going to respond. So basically what happens is you get a medication protocol, um, which is like a series of days and your medication that you take on those days and the scans um, and all the things that will happen to you. The breast predictor of your success of IVF is your previous history of your reaction to those medications. And so that's why most people go through multiple rounds because round one almost becomes like the test pilot the to see how you respond yeah. to that medication and then they tweak it for the next round to improve your response based on what they know about your first round of IVF. Um, and so one of the things that we'll say is once you start with a clinic it's entirely possible to move to another clinic but as a person going through that process you should and again it's such a I wish it was less of a burden it is a, it is a burden you should try and get the information that you need and keep the information you need on your key stats. So your blood test results, what your protocol was, how you responded to that protocol, any screenshots that you can get of scans. So it means if you decide you want to go to another clinic, 
for your next round of IVF, you can take the information they have, which means that the doctor will have more information when they're crafting your, your protocol for you. And then you don't have to uh, double up on costs for additional blood tests or anything like that as well, because again, it's, it's the not knowing, not knowing, you know, what should I be doing with this clinic and what's already been done. And if you go in and they're like, right, we need to start from scratch. It's like, whoa, this isn't necessary. And this is an additional cost that's not beneficial. And, and if you're having fertility treatment in the UK, you're, it's a highly regulated environment clinically. So if you've had blood tests done at a clinic to understand um, your kind of basic blood rates, you should be able to take that to another clinic knowing that they've been, they've been done at a UK accredited regulated clinic so that there shouldn't be a necessarily a need unless the doctor obviously feels so for a particular reason to rerun all of those same tests again. Yeah, definitely. And, and when you're talking about these add-ons, I don't know if there's anything specific that is worth pointing out. Um, what, what, so, what I mean, there could, uh, there, there could be. Um, what I would suggest, though, just to make sure that everyone has the right information is that they go to the regulator HFEA's website. And the, and the reason is there's a series of, of add-ons there and they have all of the evidence um, which was done through kind of different trials and that is your kind of best safest place to go and get information on on these add-ons because there's, there's quite a lot of information on forums on Facebook um, in lots of different places and, and I would just say definitely go there they're, they're the ones that are in the know. Definitely and can you explain a little bit more about what um, your audience and your community get on Fertility Mapper how that's helping to you know, demystify this this quite complex area. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there is quite a lot of information and content online about going through fertility treatment. And so rather than adding to the overwhelm, and we've already talked about all the different things you kind of need to know, there's a lot going on. Um, we very much start with helping people pick a clinic. That's our objective. Um, at the moment, what happens is typically people realize they need um, want to go through IVF um, as over a thousand people starting a cycle this week and um, every single wow. week of the year um, so there's a lot of people trying to find out what clinics for them um, and some people have kind of friends who they feel they can talk about it um, you know in real life other people kind of look online to communities what we try to do is kind of democratize access to the information you need to pick a clinic um, so we do two things. One, we have guides on what you should look for in a clinic. Um, and we also have guides on costs and how they break down. So for anybody here who didn't catch the like vast amounts of information that we've just discussed, <laughs> um, there's a place yeah. where it's sort of written down and you can take some time to read it. So that's one thing we do. And then the other thing we do is we host information or reviews on clinics. So we've talked a lot about costs which we, we provide on our website, broken down by clinic. Um, but the other thing that's really important is the cost will vary between clinic and you should pick the cost that's in the clinic that fits within your budget. Um, but the key thing is experience because you're about to embark on many, many, many weeks, sometimes for some people, many years um, of a relationship with a clinic who know pretty much everything about you and you spend a lot of time with them so finding a clinic um, that is a good partner for you through this journey is a really important point. So we're currently hosting reviews of women who have been through um, fertility services at particular clinics, um, and they provide feedback around kind of 
four core metrics. So one is the point we talked about, which is cost transparency. So was the clinic upfront about all the costs through the process? Um, the other round is around communication. So could you get hold of your clinic when you needed to speak to them? Um, was there an out of hours number, et cetera? Um, the third one is around the seamless experience. So did your scan end up on the right day before your consultation? Was your medication delivered on the right day before your treatment started and so on? Um, and then the final one, which is the really important one, which is to talk about kind of care and respect. Um, so how the clinic made you feel. Um, and for us, these four kind of core areas of what women have told us is really important to them when we're picking a clinic. So if you go to yeah, Fertility Matter, you'll be able to find um, reviews. And we're asking anyone that's been through um, IVF or egg freezing in the UK uh, to leave their review to help women who are also on this journey. Yeah, really, really helpful. And I think that that bedside manner is something that is so overlooked, but is so crucial to the whole experience because it is incredibly emotional and uh, just, yeah, as you say, it's an invasive experience and having somebody who's alongside you through that journey as a professional, but also, you know, as, as your almost nurse and, and your guide is, is crucial to helping you navigate it. And then, oh, one other point as well. So I know we, we spoke a lot on IVF, but with egg freezing, um, are you able to give a rough outline on sort of the process and the costs of that separate? Yeah, of course. So this is actually, this is for me, um, a, a kind of bit of a pet peeve. So we've seen the rise of um, kind of egg freezing, there's a big trend um, at the moment of employers like Google um, funding egg freezing for women, which I, I think is, is brilliant in terms of reducing the cost for people who want mm. to go through it. The, the thing that you don't read about is it's a very invasive process. So it's exactly the same as going through IVF. The difference is that um, they just don't put the, they don't fertilize them and put them back. So they, the kind of big, like difficult physical bit of IVF is, is taking the eggs out in the first place. And so um, the actual costs of egg freezing are really, really very similar to the costs of, of IVF because you've still got to pay sort of thousand pounds for medication. You've got an egg freezing package rather than an IVF package, but you've, you know, that's still around three, four thousand pounds. Um, in terms of basic costs and you still have to go through all of those um initial treatments and the one thing and then you varies yeah afterwards as well exactly so the key thing for egg freezing is that you pay rent <laughs> on your eggs yeah um either you know they break it down in different ways but it's around 350 pounds a year so for as long as you're storing your eggs you're paying 350 pounds a year to keep those eggs in a, in a freezer do they also um, I, I don't know the science behind it but like do they just stay there is there any chance for them to sort of like diminish their fertility i don't know what um, the word so, is. But um, so um yeah you're, you're asking if the egg quality reduces over time yeah, so yeah yeah and um, it, it's um so the evidence suggests not um there are it's it's much newer so there's a lot less kind of data than there is in IVF but the evidence suggests that they don't um I'm not a kind of science, an expert in this area but that, that's the kind of um expectation but I think the key thing actually on this back to kind of picking a clinic if you're picking a clinic for IVF and you're picking a clinic for egg freezing is actually slightly different um because the key thing you're looking for when you're picking a clinic for egg freezing um is the lab 
So um, the egg is the biggest cell in your body. And so when you freeze it, there's the potential to get little water crystals um, or kind of crystals inside that egg. And that can damage the egg through the freezing process. So when you're looking for a kind of IVF treatment, you, you don't worry about that so much because most people either implant the egg straight away or if they freeze them, they fertilize them. So they're embryos and they freeze embryos rather than eggs. But when you're freezing eggs, what you want is a lab that's an expert in handling eggs. Uh, really good point as well. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, and, and so with the compare, is there any sort of hotspots that you would say are like areas that are really top for this and ones that maybe could do with improving in, in the UK at all? I don't know if you're allowed to give any um, insight so, into what you've so seen. I don't have, so I don't, so I don't have any hotspots for clinics and, and the reason is, so we're entirely independent and we don't take any money for clinics, we don't recommend clinics, um, we're really hosting information that is women's feedback on their true experience with no promotion whatsoever and um, so I'm not going to mention which clinics are necessarily like the good ones or the bad ones. Um, but I would just say that you should, you know, people who've been through their clinic experience, please read review because that is brilliant feedback for somebody else and totally necessary. Um, but also just to keep in mind those kind of key, key pieces. So I'm, I'm going to disappoint you and not, <laughs> not give the, the answer to the question. I don't but. want you to, to put your, your foot in it. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> that's really helpful outline. What would be your three top tips for anybody who's embarking on the IVF journey to start with um, or their fertility process? What are your three top tips for, for them? Okay, so, so the first one is um, it can feel like a lot of pressure. Egg freezing or IVF, it, it, it feels like time is running out. Um, and what I would say is take time because picking the right clinic and understanding the key things you need to know will have such a big impact on your overall experience and potentially your outcomes and definitely your costs. So whilst it feels like you're running out of time, um, try and take some time to do the research you need before you start contacting clinics. So that's, mm. I guess, my first piece of advice. Um, the second piece of advice um, I would say is... Um, when you're, picking, when you're picking your clinics, don't just focus on costs. So we've talked a lot about cost transparency, which is incredibly important. Um, and it's important to pick a clinic that fits within your budget, but make sure that you're picking a clinic that's also gonna be a good partner for you when you go through that experience. Um, and then the third part, and this is obviously very personal depending on who you are, which is make sure you have a good community of people around you who you can you can talk to about this process because it is a very difficult um, journey for many, many people. Um, and you'll be surprised when you start to talk about it, how many other people have also been through a similar experience. So, um, you know, trying to make sure you have a few friends that you can talk to while you're going through the process, I think is gonna be uh, really critical. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really, it really highlights the core of this is, is making sure that you're, you're mentally looked after through, through such a process. You know, the finances can end up being stressful. The actual physicality of it can be stressful. It's looking after and nurturing yourself as, as you're trying to nurture somebody else and grow somebody else as well through the process. So yeah, keeping stress as minimal as possible is, 
is always key and an easier said than done as well I think but yeah I think that's one of the reasons I think when you when kind of people talk about IVF they focus a lot on the emotional experience and part of the reason that we've focused to start with kind of on um, the cost and breaking that down for people as well as supporting people to pick a clinic is if you can get that admin out of the way it then frees you up and and for the experience you're about to have rather than that being an additional stressor that sort of sits underneath you know every scan mm -hmm. that happens or every additional thing you're going through so yeah absolutely oh well thank you so much Kaylee this has been eye-opening and I cannot wait to to share this with with more people because it's it's becoming more I think with the stresses of life and and um the stresses of everything having a way to finance fertility that's in your control is so important because there's very little things that you have control of in your life but actually if, if you're looking to to finance something that you know it's going to bring you great joy then doing it in a in a less stressful environment is is crucial yeah absolutely and um you know thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me and um, it's uh, really exciting i know that you've been doing loads of great work around um yeah. helping people demystify their finances so it's brilliant to bring this uh, element to it as well thank you yeah we've got lots more to continue as well um so yeah watch this space guys um thank you so much and thank you everybody for tuning in and if you're watching this on the replay as well hello to you um but yeah we'll um say goodbye for now and i will see you soon thank you take care bye thank you bye bye okay. thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did if you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit, where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.